New Life family today here in the 9 a.m. service. We have 70 people registered to get baptized. Look at what the Lord is doing. Look at what the Lord is doing. We've got young ones here who are just excited about going for Jesus. We've got some people who've lived and logged miles and experienced pain. And they've said, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Today is a miracle. And don't believe all the people who are saying the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Look at what Jesus is doing to raise people up to newness of life. Okay, those of you who are getting baptized, two things I want you to think about today. In this moment of baptism, two things are happening. First, it's a funeral. It's a burial of all the old stuff. The stuff that you were embarrassed about, maybe, maybe a moment that the enemy wants you to carry shame about. Scripture says if any person is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So first it's a funeral, it's a burial. It's a washing away of all of the old sin story. But the second movement and the most important movement is it's a resurrection. You're going under the water and the old is buried and you're coming out of the water and you're walking out and the same thing that happened to Jesus at his baptism is gonna happen to you today. You're gonna come out of the water, the clouds are gonna open up, the Spirit's gonna fall on you like a dove and you're gonna hear a voice saying, this is my daughter whom I love. In this one I'm well pleased. This is my son whom I love. In this one I'm well pleased. A burial and a resurrection. Can you say amen today? All right, now baptism candidates, can you turn and face the congregation? So you have professed your faith and you're gonna do that here today. I'm gonna ask you four questions and you're gonna, these questions have been being asked of baptism candidates since at least 100 AD. We have historical documents that show us and probably up to 50 AD. Saints all over the world have been asked these questions and you, they have responded yes. And so I'm gonna ask you four questions straight out of the Nicene Creed. And at the end of each question, if you agree with it, I'll say, if so, please say, I do. And I want you to just proclaim your faith boldly and with strength, I do, okay? So question number one, do you believe in God the Father, the Almighty, that he's the maker of heaven and earth? If you believe in God the Father, please say, I do. Can we celebrate that, church? Second question. Now, this is the long one. Hang on. Jesus is sort of a big deal, so I'm going to ask you a lot about Jesus, okay? Do you believe in Christ Jesus, that he's the Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, true God from true God, that Jesus is begotten, not made, and that he's of one being with the Father, through whom all things were made? Do you believe that Jesus came down from heaven and was born of the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary? Do you believe that Jesus was made man? Do you believe that he was crucified, that he died, that he rose again at the third day? Do you believe that he's the living one from among the dead and that he ascended unto heaven and sat at the right hand of the Father? And do you believe that Jesus will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead? If you believe in this Jesus, say, I do. Can we celebrate today? They're professing their faith in Jesus, the Savior. Third question, do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, 
the giver of life who proceeds from the Father. Do you believe that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and God's Spirit dwells in you? If so, please say, I do. Celebrate, church. <laughs> Fourth and final question. Baptismal candidates, look at these people. Do you believe in them? Do you believe in the Holy Church? Do you believe that you're not alone? It's not just these people in the congregation today, of course them too, your local church, but do you believe in the global church that every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group are saying yes to Jesus? Do you believe in the forgiveness of sins? Do you believe in the resurrection of the dead? And do you believe in the life of the world to come? If so, please say, I do. One more time, church, let's celebrate. All right, New Life, here's what's happened. These candidates have said to you and to the Lord, we're going for it, we, we agree, we believe. They've professed their faith to you now, would you stretch your hands to them? And I want you to begin to speak your blessing right now with your own words. Maybe some of you will say, Lord, give them peace. Lord, give them courage. Lord, give them strength. Lord, make them faithful. Lord, keep them from the evil one. Lord, we pray today the blessing of God descend on these candidates. We pray that you would open heaven here today, and as they come up out of the waters, they would hear, this is my daughter whom I love. This is my son whom I love, and this one I'm well pleased. We pray that they would live a long obedience to Jesus. We pray that they would be faithful and strong. We pray that you would rebuke the devil on their behalf and cast him out. We pray that you would lead them not into temptation, but deliver them from evil. And we pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit in fresh measure today. Pour out your glory on them. We pray that they would know who you made them to be and that they would rise up into the fullness of their identity in Christ. And we pray the blessing of God. We pray, Lord, bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Lord, lift your countenance upon them and grant them peace today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Candidates, you can go to the tanks. Church, hear the rules. We're about to worship and a party is about to break out. We know how to do baptism services. We're good at this stuff. We have so much fun. So the rules are you can come around the tanks. You can bring your kids down. It's gonna be up on the screen. When you see someone on screen, get baptized. Shout, rejoice, clap. Let's have a party today because a miracle is breaking out. Let's worship as we baptize.
testimony and I'm gonna tell it. Not ashamed of where I've come from. There is power in the gospel and I felt it from the moment that I heard that good news. Oh, it was good news. I've been set free and I know the truth. Got a testimony and I'm gonna tell it. That he found me. He held me, he loved me, he picked me up, he healed me, he restored me, he changed me from the inside out. He raised me, he gave me his spirit and his name when he saved me. That's what Jesus did. 
we just thank the Lord. Amen. I want to give, I want to give you some, there's some more people in the room I just felt. <laughs> just hold just one second. Because I think there are people in the room that you've said yes to Jesus. We just sang your testimony. We just sang it back to you. And when we were confessing those four creeds, you said yes. And you're ready. So I'm not, I'm not here to play on your emotions, but I want to, to invite your faith, to bring your faith in. And I want to welcome you. If you're here today, we have extra t-shirts. We have extra towels. It's warming up outside. Hypothermia is becoming less and less of a risk. But if you're here today and you said yes to Jesus and you're here with your family and friends, lean over to them right now and say, I want to get baptized. And they will walk with you to the tank and get baptized right now. We're going to leave the tank open for a few more minutes. But some of you need to say yes. You've already said yes. Now you need to go public with your faith, all right? So the baptismal tanks are open. If that's you, step out right now. Go with your family. Go with your friends. We'll stay here as long as we need to baptize you today. Come on, let's pray together. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Holy Spirit, move upon the hearts of people. Give them courage and strength to make this decision that they've already made, to follow through, to respond to what you've done in their lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Come on, let's continue to celebrate changed lives this morning.
His love has won the war. His body bears the scars, and they're the mark of His reward. And written, written on His thigh and on His robe, and written on His robe are the words, King of kings, and the words, Lord of lords. Jesus is our victor. Greater. 
is the king over all kings. Oh, he reigns, he reigns forever, reigns forever, reigns forevermore. He one more time. What a beautiful picture. Thank you guys for leading so well. Turn and greet one another and say, the Lord 
sees you and knows you. Say something nice to one another. Turn around, greet one another. Say hello. Good to be with you this morning. I've uh, been pastoring a long time now, about 29 years, and I, every time someone gets baptized, it renews something inside of me. So like the new life happens to all of us. And by witnessing it and celebrating it and, and, and being a part of it, it's actually a resurrection moment for all of us. And I was thinking right now, the world seems like it's falling apart. The shadows are deepening, darkness is kind of hovering over the dark of the deep in some places of our world. And yet in the middle of that, new life is emerging. Now I just want you to catch a picture of the kingdom this morning. Do not let your heart be troubled when you see things like this happening. In fact, I, I, was, I was trying to do some study this week to look at exactly what the percentage is, but I, it was hard for me to see any passage of scripture in the Bible that talked about the return of Christ that did not say, do not lose hope. Let this be a sign of encouragement to you. So when you see things happening in the world scene that seem apocalyptic, they seem like it's pointing to the end of all things, that's actually when the people of God should be most hopeful, the most full of hope and most prayerful. And the reason we're hopeful is because we're prayerful. Because if you're not praying, well, you're not gonna be hopeful. But if you're praying during this time, if you're catching what the Spirit is doing on the earth right now, even in the midst of tremendous oppression and darkness and violence and chaos, in the middle of that, the Spirit is still breathing. And the Spirit has not left His people. This is the good news. Listen, you're in the palm of His hand. You've heard me say this for 16, 17 years. I love that out of the, of the song that we sing. You're in the palm of His hand, and no power of hell and no scheme of man can take you from the palm of His hand, right? And I just want to encourage you that in this season, when, if you're watching, and I've, I've had the news on in my house a lot, and I'm trying to make sure I'm receiving good information, right information, trusted voices, trying to stay away from the conspiracy theorists, but they're out there. Some of you are here today. But anyway, the, the, uh, <laughs> I'm joking with you. But making sure that at the same time, listen, at the same time that we're receiving a lot of distressing news, that you leave an, an, an equal amount of time to receive the good news, the freshness of the Spirit. And this morning did that for me. I needed to see people be baptized this morning. Aren't you? Can we just thank the Lord one more time? <clears throat> We're in the book of 1 Kings, if you want to turn there, 1 Kings chapter 19. And I think today, as the Lord was leading me, I'm so grateful this is the message that landed on this particular Sunday. It's a story of really Elijah losing his courage after having an epic victory at Carmel. And we talked about that last Sunday where he called down fire. It was the greatest Holy Spirit barbecue in the history of the world. Consumed all the cattle, all the sacrifices were consumed. The prophets of Baal were set to flight. It seemed like that the kingdom had come, that all power from heaven was released Elijah had never done that before. You thought about this, I was thinking about this last week. He had never called down fire on a sacrifice before. I mean, he had never, he had never seen that happen. He had never asked for it before. And suddenly a common man 
with uncommon faith, calls down fire on the sacrifice and the whole thing works perfectly. And yet the next day he loses his courage. And I want to talk to you today about the battle for our courage. Now I didn't mention the offering today, but if you don't, if, if, if what you just see doesn't motivate you to give to the local church, I don't really have anything else to tell you, but we, we do, we need your offering. The, the Lord needs your offering. But anyway, you just do whatever you want today with that, all right? That's the worst offering ever in the history of New Life Church. <laughs> if you're okay with that, I can, get, I can do better though if you want. All right. <laughs> so 1 Kings 19 talks about a man that has gone through an, a tremendous emotional experiment. Have you ever had so much adrenaline go through your body, like a wedding, a, a, a birth of a child, something so powerful, a, an epic moment in your life, and then the next day you can feel your body trying to respond and rebuild the adrenaline that was lost in that big moment. And you feel like a downer, a low, like postpartum, uh, for a lot of women go through postpartum depression because their bodies simply cannot recover all of the adrenaline that it took to birth a child. And sometimes for months after that, their body can be affected. Men can go through tremendous uh, things like sports and hiking and big moments in life and suddenly you feel depleted. It's sort of like what Wyoming is feeling right, right now after the epic beatdown last night by the Air Force Academy. Can we just say one more time? Y'all know I'm a college football fan, right? I, it's, uh, people ask me what my hobby is. It's college football. I watch college football nonstop. It's almost semi-idolish in my life, so I'm having to constantly address that with the Lord. But this is what's happened to Elijah. Massive moment. Massive letdown. And he's lost his courage. 1 Kings 19, verse 1, it says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow at this time. In other words, she's saying, by tomorrow at this time, I'm killing you. And verse 3, and when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Now, let's just leave that up for a moment. I want you to understand what we're reading here. He had just called down fire from heaven in front of hundreds of Baal prophets. He had put his life on, this is not the first time his life had been threatened. He was in enemy territory when he called down the fire. He was not on friendly ground. He was in the center of the evil empire, quite honestly. And he had seen God come through for him in a powerful way. And then he gets a text message from a queen who's probably five foot tall. And he says, she said, I'm gonna kill you. And he's terrified and runs for his life. I mean, anybody in the room ever had something to cause you to be afraid that later surprised you that you were afraid about it? You, you can't believe, looking back now, you, it's hard. Why, why was I so afraid? What was it in that moment that caused me to fear? Verse four, he says, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. I love this, this, is, I love this epic 
complaining prayer. Now, remember the day before, oh God of heaven, if you're powerful, would you bring fire down on this water-soaked sacrifice? And fire comes down, and listen to him the next day. 24 hours later, listen to this man's prayers. It is enough now, Lord, take my life. For I am no better than my father's. I am but a worm. I'm a miserable human being. Please take my life now. His courage had left him. And I suspect some of you have had your courage attacked this week. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, this story still speaks to me 3,000 years after it was told and after it happened. Father, we need the principles of this story. We need more than just principles. We need the revelation of this story. We need this story to soak down deep in our soul today. We need to be a people of God that is full of hope and faith and courage and love and joy and peace. We need all those things in abundance right now. And Lord, the news of the, of the day has zapped us of our strength. And we pray today that you would renew us and refresh us. You would re-engineer us if needed. You would convict us and challenge us and change us. And we pray for all of that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you need any of that, would you say amen? I'm gonna move quickly through this, but this is good stuff what I'm gonna share with you today. And, and this is this part of this message I have preached before to you. And I don't apologize for that because there are times when we need to re renew what God said to us in the past to remind us that he's the same God, he's the faithful God. So some of this content may sound familiar to you. I don't expect you to remember all my messages. I, I thought you had them all memorized, but I'll be disappointed to hear that you didn't. So maybe I shouldn't have had to even say anything, right? You probably, that's, that's, that's all new stuff. But what I wrote down this morning, it was God knows how to give us courage. And the enemy is skilled at taking it away. This is a story we see in 1 King that God had given this man boldness of faith to call down fire and in just a moment it was all zapped away, gone. His courage had dissipated. So I wanna tell you some facts about discouragement and listen, every one of us in this room and all of you watching online, we have been discouraged at one point in our life. We have noticed an absence of courage in our life. I was talking to a man who was in combat, who's been in combat many times, and I said, is it true that you're always, that, that, that real fear happens in combat? He goes, if anyone that tells me that they were not afraid is a liar. He goes, we've all felt debilitating fear. We have felt discouragement. We have felt abandonment. We've all had those feelings come into our life when the gunfire is over our head. So let me give you some facts today about discouragement. Number one, it is common. Everyone has been discouraged at one time or another. In fact, I think you need to say it out loud. I'm a bit discouraged today. One of the habits, one of the holy habits that Pam and I have in 34 years of marriage is confessing to one another when we, know we don't feel our best. Say, Pam, I'm discouraged today, or Pam, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit fearful about this today. And I'm not typically someone who wrestles with fear a great amount, but I do wrestle with discouragement. And they're cousins, by the way. Because fear makes us discouragement and discouragement can cause us to be afraid. And so those two things seem to operate in tandem. But I, I feel there are times when I'm discouraged. It's common. And number two, it's chronic. Being discouraged once does not give us immunity. You can be discouraged repeatedly. It can come in waves after wave. One of the negative side effects of having so much access to so much information right now, we were talking about this the other day, 
When Hamas invaded southern Israel, I knew about it 45 minutes later and started following it in real time. I mean, videos that were 30 minutes old were suddenly on my phone. I'm watching the military activity. I'm watching the bodies. I'm watch, seeing the blood on the streets. 45 minutes after it happened, halfway around the globe, I have access to trauma. And then I start hearing the stories, trauma and trauma. In fact, I told Pam, I said, I've, I've got to take a break from the trauma because the human body was not designed to take on so much trauma so quickly from another part of the world where you have nothing, I can't help it. There's nothing I can do to solve the problem, but I can take on the trauma without any way to release it. I can't be, I can't go to their aid. I can't help the wounded. I can't counsel the downtrodden. I have no access to the pain except to receive it. I had nowhere to take it. And this is true for all of us when we go through these seasons, right? And that's why it can become chronic. Number three is contagious. Discouragement spreads by even casual contact. And this is why you have to name it. And let me give you some good therapeutic advice. I'm not a therapist, but I know some. You have to make sure your life is balanced with people that need your help and people that you can receive from. You need life coming in because life is certainly gonna go out. And you must make sure that in these seasons of where you're giving out a lot of encouragement to other people that you find healthy, godly, biblical sources to restore your soul. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters, takes me beside, lays, lays me down. And what does it say? He restores my soul. Now, why does our soul need restoring? Because something's being taken from us. And the people that I hang around, it's a joy, an honor, a privilege to be around people who are struggling, who are going through seasons of the valley of the shadow of death. But at the same time, as a human being, I also have to pull my attention to people who are filling me with strength and encouragement and joy because if something's going out of me, something has to be replaced. So what causes it? What causes this wave after wave of discouragement. I'm gonna give you some things today to consider and I want you to write these down and I want you to put together a plan for your life of how to navigate seasons of discouragement. Number one, fatigue. And this is what was happening with Elijah, by the way. He was exhausted. He's physically, emotionally, spiritually depleted in this story that I just read. <clears throat> he didn't realize it. In fact, what does he do? He goes an hour into the wilderness and what does he do? He lays down under a broom tree. He's got to replenish his soul. And listen, uh, probably two weeks before that, that threat would not have bothered him. Two days before that, he would have just brushed that off. <clears throat> a text message from a queen. Listen, I just called down fire on the prophets. I don't, I'm not worried about your text message to me. But because he was tired, it affected him differently. Listen, some of you are being affected by bad news differently because you're tired. Sometimes the best remedy for discouragement is a long nap. Go, go see some foliage changing. Go breathe in some mountain air. We live in Colorado. 
Go, breathe in some mountain air. Go sit by a stream. This summer, I had a couple of days where I was a bit down. I mean, I could feel it. I could feel it hovering over me. I was just having to wrestle with too many issues at once. And I told Pam, I said, Pam, I'm going to get in my vehicle. I'll be back before dark. Don't worry about me. But I'm going to 11 Mile Canyon. I'm gonna pay $5 to go in the park. I'm gonna find me a quiet place without any tourists. And I'm gonna listen to that river for about two hours. And the Lord and I are gonna have a conversation. See, there are times when you have to separate yourself. You have to recognize when you're tired and go sit by a stream. Go listen to some wind blow through some aspens. Breathe in some mountain air. Feel some salt air on your face. Go for a long walk, something. Kick a dog, hug a cat, something. No, don't, don't do any of that, it's against the law. <laughs> so fatigue is a big deal. Number two, frustration. Frustration causes us to be discouraged. Most of us are living with unresolved grief and disappointment. And you need to name it. Why am I so aggravated all of a sudden? Why am I having these outbursts to the people that I love? Sometimes Pam and the kids pay the price for unresolved issues that I've not dealt with. And they're the closest ones to me. They're the easiest targets. Especially when I was a younger man, I realized that why am I angry at Pam for not closing the door or doing something silly? Why am I angry with Abram for not taking the trash? Why am, that's a silly thing to be angry. What I realized was I had not dealt with the disappointments of somewhere else and they were surfacing around the people that I love. And it's cause I was discouraged. And also realized a long time ago, I don't need God to be something new in my life. I need him to be the same as yesterday. So when I say to the Lord, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, he's the same yesterday as he is today and he'll be the same tomorrow. That actually helps me deal with the complexities of our world, with an ever-changing, complex world. I can deal with it because I'm dealing with a stable, steady God. God is the one that anchors my soul. God is the one that steadies my emotions. He's the one that causes my mind to stay clear because he's not changing. He's the same today as he was yesterday. And when I wake up on Monday morning, he is the same good, caring God. He will be, he's right there with me. He's the one thing that has not changed in my life. And I need him not to change. I need him to be the same. And he is. Here's the third thing is failure. I don't fail a lot, but I know some of you do. <laughs> failure. Sometimes I just want to laugh there for a moment. <laughs> failure is a big part of being discouraged. I don't know if you've ever just bumped up against a wall, beat your head against a wall, trying to change something. Trying to change something. Listen, there have been, there have been people who've been involved in the Israeli-Palestinian debate for 75 years. This is something that's been going on for 75 years. And some of the world's greatest diplomats, some of the world's greatest spiritual leaders, some of the world's greatest sociologists have been involved in this discussion and debate for 75 years. What do you do with two million Palestinians who feel like they've been displaced from Israel? And what do you do with Israel who's been reclaiming their ancestral land? That is a complicated question. And it's not simple. Don't oversimplify a complicated process. What we do know though is sometimes you just gotta regroup and start over. 
And it's okay to fail because failure is never final. I love this quote, every great human achievement was accomplished because someone didn't give up. The Wright brothers crashed lots of times before they flew the plane. There, there are so many opportunities to just quit when you're so close to victory. And I wanna encourage some people in the room today, you're very, very close to victory. Don't quit. Just because you've had some setbacks, just because you've had some failure. Listen, Winston Churchill knew this. He says, success is the ability to go from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. And this is a man that understood failure. He lived through countless nights of German bombs dropping on his head in London in 1941 and 42. He understood the, the angst of people and the fear of people. And I love, I love his leadership during that time. He says, no matter what it takes, we're going to be victorious. We are going to fail, in other words. We're going to have setbacks, but we're not going to quit. But there's a fourth reason for discouragement. And I've told you already, but it's fear. And it's, it's the number one reason people are discouraged. A lot of people are discouraged this morning because you don't know what the future holds. What's going to happen? We don't know what's going to happen. Will Hezbollah come from the north? Will Russia get more involved? Will Iran send nuclear weapons? What is going to be the involvement of our American military? We don't know. And that causes us this uncertainty, makes us fear the future. And fear right now is the great crippler of our generation. The reason our young men and women are not getting married and not having children and not moving forward is they're afraid of what's happening. All of the institutions that when I was in my 20s, our military, our government, our churches, our local government seemed more stable. So when Pam and I, I was 22 and Pam was 21, we looked into the future and thought, there's hope for us, we're getting it, we're, we're in. We got married. Bought a house, got a job, because there was something about the future that seemed stable to us. We look fast forward in 2023, our government's a mess. The world order is being redetermined in front of us. There's a lot of unanswered questions and fear is the great crippler of this generation. I'm here today as a 56 year old to say, I know that, I see that, I understand that. And that's why the local church, the congregation of people you're sitting around right now, has never been more important. Let me show this to you in 1 Kings. Go back to 1 Kings 19. So what does God say to the mighty prophet of God cowering under a broom tree out in the desert, ready to quit, ready to give up, feeling hopeless? What does God say to a man like that? God comes to Elijah in verse 18 and says, yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Now leave that up just for a moment, go back to that just for a moment. It is very important to understand something today. The enemy wants to isolate you. The enemy wants to convince you that you and a handful of people are the last remnant on the earth. And one of the, the joys and privileges I get is I get to travel and be with the greater body of Christ. And let me just tell you, there are millions of people in America that love Jesus unashamedly, without any apology. Their hearts are pure. They love their neighbors. They are steadfast, committed, devoted, 
prayerful. The kingdom of heaven is coming. His will is being done. And do not let the enemy convince you that you're the only one that's kept your heart pure. Because I'm telling you, there are millions of people across the world, hundreds of millions of people who are standing firm on the rock who is Christ Jesus right now with you, alongside you, in front of you, behind you, above you and below you, there are people standing with you. Amen. amen. Let's say amen to that. And in verse 19, he says, so he departed from there and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plying with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. And then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. Now, this is a critical moment in Elijah's life because he found a protege. He found, he found the next generation. Elijah would have the greatest funeral in the history of the Bible, by the way. Caught up in a chariot and swung up into heaven. Sweet chariot. I mean, that's where we get the song, right? Come and carry me home. That's Elijah. I prayed for the same funeral. I just want to be standing here one Sunday in a big sweeping chariot. Come and grab me right in front of all of you. Be gone. Y'all can talk about it for generations. But here's two things I want you to remember today as you read the news, as you woke up maybe heavy-hearted this morning. And in just a moment, we're going to have prayer for Israel and, and the violence that's happening. We're going to pray together as a church. There's two things I want you to catch today. We're not alone. Listen, if you're watching online, I know some of you are sick, and you need, I appreciate you not sharing that with us today. But if you're able to physically gather with the body of Christ, now more than ever, you need to physically gather with the body of Christ. You need to remind yourself as often as possible you're not alone because there's power in the community and you're about to discover it in a way you've never discovered it before. There's power in community where two or more gather together. He says, I am there, I'm calling down. In fact, most of the miracles in the book of Acts happened when the church was to gather in a room praying somewhere. There's power in being together. Several years ago, I was doing some ministry in Kenya, in Nairobi, in Kiambu, outside Nairobi. And this guy says, hey, I have a small plane. You want to go down to the Masamara? I want to show you some wild lions. I went, oh, let me pray about it. Yes. So we got on this little bush plane, and we flew down to the Masamara, and we landed on a red dirt runway. And he picked us up in this big, giant safari rig. And there was a bunch of us in the, in the rig, and he says, we're going right now because the lions are out. I want to show them to you. And these are lions in the wild. These are not zoo lions. These are not lions that are being fed three times a day. These are lions that are wild. And there was just something powerful. It was my first time to see a lion in the wild, and one of, we pulled up onto a group of them. And right when we pulled up, one of the big males just let out this massive roar, and it is terrifying. If you've ever heard a lion roar in the wild, and there's nothing between you and him but a thin piece of canvas. It's terrifying. So I'm, in, I'm up there and I'm, I'm pushing the, the bigger people out to the side because maybe he'll get full before he gets to me is what I'm doing, you know. <laughs> then I realize I'm the biggest one on the plane. He's going to come to me first. <laughs> and I asked, I asked the little, uh, the Kenyan guide, I said, are we safe? He goes, yeah, as long as you stay in this vehicle. I said, well, there's nothing between me and the lion but this piece of canvas and a piece of aluminum. He goes, to the lion, we are a massive beast that smells bad. He doesn't, we're not appetizing to him. We're just a big beast that smells like oil and gas. 
He has no, there's no appetite. He said, he said, however, if you get off this rig and walk over there, you suddenly become lunch. He said that your safety depends on you staying with the group. And listen, that's forever marked me all my life because that is the picture is exactly what Peter said. Behold, our enemy is like a roaring lion prowling about, sinking someone to devour. Well, who's he looking to devour? He's looking for those discouraged souls who have wandered away. And New Life Church, I'm calling you back to a place of courage today. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. There's many, many people who have not compromised their faith, who've held firm to the convictions of Jesus, and there always will be a remnant. And it's always gonna be bigger than you think. And the key for us is staying together. That's where we're the strongest. That's where we're the most powerful when we're in this together. Would you stand with me this morning? I wanna pray with you. Let's pray together for everything that's happening in the Middle East right now. I've been down to that border. I've been down to, I've been in the West Bank. I've met many Palestinian believers and unbelievers. I know beautiful Jewish Israeli people were involved in several ministries over there and we're gathering information right now about what, how to respond. And when I know the proper response, I'll bring it to you. But right now we're evaluating everything, but it's fluid right now. It's chaos down there right now. And I thought, how should we pray? We pray for peace. We pray for men and women of peace to rise to the forefront. We pray for violence to come to an end. We pray for evil plans to be laid bare. Listen, I don't apologize for this. Hamas is evil. And we pray against the evil of Hamas. That's got to stop. That, in Jesus' name. That's evil. And I do stand, personally, I stand with the people of Israel and they have a right to defend themselves against that evil. But we're praying for peace, praying for peace. And let's pray, I, don't, I think it's okay as well to pray 40% of the people who live in Gaza are under the age of 18, they're innocent. And they're being used as human shields. It's, it's, it is completely okay. In fact, it's beyond okay to pray for the safety of innocent lives inside Gaza and in Israel. And let's just pray that together, okay? Let's just ask the Lord, come on, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we humble ourselves before you and we do not have the power within ourselves to change what's happening, but you do. So we call on the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We call upon Yahweh, we, call, we ask Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you intervene? Would you do holy work? Would you bring peace to an unstable region? I pray that people who are committed to peace would rise up in power. I pray today that you would protect the innocent, the vulnerable, the elderly, the children, the babies. We pray, Lord, that every evil, wicked scheme would be brought to the light. We pray against misinformation and we pray for truth to reign and rule. And we ask, oh God, that you would heal those who have been wounded. Lord, we ask today that you would come and be strong to the weak. Well, we pray you'd come, Lord, and show yourself powerful. Divide the darkness from the light so we can see clearly. 
Lord, we ask, oh God, for the peace of Jerusalem. Your word says pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we pray today for the peace of Jerusalem. And we pray today, Lord, that Gaza would be rid of its evil leaders and that those people could live in safety and strength again. Lord, come and do work that only you can do. And give us courage for the days ahead. Give us wisdom. And let everything we do be done in the love of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Those of you who serve at the Lord's table, would you come down and be ready to serve? We're going to come to the table of the Lord. If there was a Sunday when we need to come and declare Jesus, his broken body, his resurrection power, it's this Sunday. We need to not just take the bread and take the cup, but declare the goodness of Jesus, who Jesus is. So for those of you who serve, come in just a moment. The ushers are going to give you instructions. You're going to come, take the bread, take the cup, go back to your seat. In just a moment, Pastor Daniel's going to come and lead us to the table of the Lord. Come to the table.
do what only you can do. Oh, come, Jesus, we say, Maranatha, have mercy. Oh, we need your mercy, God. Come on, let's sing this over the streets of Israel and Gaza. King Jesus. And over the city, Jesus. Come on, our prayers matter here. And over the streets, King Jesus. Would you open up your communion elements and be ready to receive? I brought my notes up from this morning because I think communion speaks to what Pastor Brady preached to us. What causes discouragement? Fatigue, frustration, failure, fear, fatigue. What do you need when you're tired? You need a, a great meal. You need a drink. That's what God gave Elijah. A loaf of bread and water out in the wilderness. Jesus is here to rebuke the fatigue today with his body and with his blood. Fear, failure, failure, the sins. He says, your sins are forgiven you. You're clean, you're new, you've been washed. There's a future for you. Today, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm actually asking for the miracle of the Holy Spirit to be poured out on us so that as we receive communion today, these four things are addressed and healed in us. Can you say amen today, church? So for those of you who are tired and you're hungry for God's help today, take that bread in your hand and say, Lord, heal me today. Lord, touch me today. I, I, I want this to be a prayer meeting. Lord, re renew us today. Lord, strengthen us today. Fill us with fresh power today. Jesus takes the bread on the night he's betrayed and he gives it to them and he gives it to us today by the power of his spirit. He says, this is my body, which is broken for you. And church, as you receive this bread today, I pray that by the power of the spirit, you would be made strong. You may receive the bread today. Come on. Over it all. Jesus takes the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood, and it's given for the remission of your sins, and as often as you do this, 
remember me. Friends today, you are clean, you are renewed, you have been forgiven. Stand back up in your righteousness today. You may drink. Let's worship him. Church, can you open your hands to receive the blessing today as you go? Think about what's happened. It's 1017. We baptized, I think, 78 people. <laughs> we worshiped the Lord. We celebrated. We laughed. We cried. We opened the ancient scriptures. We talked about current events. We received from Jesus. It's been a good day. So now as you go, I pray, may the Lord our God bless you. Spirit, mind, and body, I pray you would be blessed. In your relationships, I pray you would be blessed. In your work, I pray you would be blessed. In your finances, I pray you would be blessed. In your health, in your strength, in your body, I pray you'd be renewed. The Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people and may he grant you peace today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people gave a hearty amen. Can we thank God for what he's done here? A couple things. Our prayer team is coming down. If you need prayer about anything, we would love to pray with you. If you're new, come see us in Connect Central. Go in God's grace and peace. Much love.